reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants. Overreaction from week one is over. No more overreaction Monday. It's Wednesday. We've had time to stew in our thoughts and think about this. My name is Bobby Skinner, host of the show Talking Giants. You might have heard of it because you're listening to it. Here with my co-host, Danny King. And Danny, I definitely don't feel as bad as I did on Monday, where I'm looking at draft boards and thinking about draft strategy and tackle. <laughs> and um, listen, this was not as I'm not. I don't want to say this Dallas game was expected, but it wasn't the most shocking thing in the world. Um, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get some do some house cleaning. But overall, I'm not as mad because there's there's very fixable mistakes. There's some that there's some, there's definitely some very worrisome things, but there's definitely fixable mistakes um, on the offense and the defense. So, Danny, how you doing? I'm doing good. No, yeah, I'm with you. I, I've seen. I'm not scared about the offense. I I said that on Twitter. They had to go off the game plan because they had to enter a shootout against Dallas, and unfortunately, they couldn't win that. So, I believe the offense can still be very capable. We do have an issue on offense now, so we'll have to talk about that. Defense, I'm still very scared about, but I'm with you. We shouldn't have expected going into Dallas and just mollywhopped Dallas right there. That wasn't going to happen. They, Dallas tempted our, tempered our expectations, even though I wasn't saying Dak was going to throw 400 yards. I, I would have laughed at you, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good, and I'm all eyes now on Buffalo after we actually do the film cleanup here. But I'm all on Buffalo now. It's on to Buffalo. Yeah, you listen. Hey, and I think that's like a trend we should have with our with people who are listening. Listen, you listen to the Wednesday episode of Talking Giants, and then it's on to Buffalo. Because by the time you're listening to this, I've already watched the Buffalo film. And this will be the easiest preparation for a game because you just have to watch one game. Week 16, I'm going to be sitting there watching all 15 games. But nonetheless, um, Danny, let's let's start with some housekeeping, and then we'll clean up some film, and, and then we'll get on the mailbag. And by the way, I think Wednesday's episodes would be our best because they're not so reactionary. Like, I love the Monday episodes because you get our raw emotions. But I, I do I I look forward to this Wednesday episode the most, and I think it will through the season because we got to watch the film, we got to you know get over overreaction Monday because overreaction Monday is a real thing, and I you know we all become a victim of it. So like don't be like oh like where everyone's overreacting. Overreaction Monday is a real thing, especially after week one. So Danny, let's get through the housekeeping though. All right, so I'm gonna start off with first Kareem Martin knee sprain. Uh, he did nothing of importance in week one. So, I mean, he we need all the help we can get on defense. So hopefully that's enough and serious. Uh, not not big deal, but something to monitor. Kevin Zeiler and his shoulder injury. Uh, it was wrapped up on Sunday. Uh, he doesn't seem concerned about it. He looks like he expects to be out there. But that's just something to monitor, especially with uh, how healthy he's been when he was with Cleveland. And the biggest one of them all, the one, the player that was on the we can't afford to lose list right now, Sterling Shepard has a concussion. That 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 is uh, very worrisome to me heading into a, a Buffalo game against a defense that that's pretty feisty over there. So that one scares me the most. Yeah, to start with Kareem Martin. Now, obviously, I don't want him to be injured, but with the signing of uh, Tuzar Skipper, which we'll talk about, it almost gets like, oh, maybe we'll get to see this kid, uh, this kid play. Zeitler, the shoulder, I don't worry about that. Offensive linemen are going to be banged up. Like, there's no doubt in my mind he plays Sunday. But, yes, yeah, Shep having concussion um, is somewhat worrisome because concussions are so unknown. Like, we, yes, he has a concussion. Now, John Hillman had a concussion, and he was back the next week in preseason. And then Big George had a concussion, and he missed the entire training camp in preseason. Although there's something a little fishy with there. Concussions don't last that long unless he just got like the concussion of all concussions. So I almost like conspiracy, Bobby, that 
Like, they're like, all right, he's not going to be a player this year, but we don't want to lose him, so let's just ride this concussion out and put him on the IR. Although, I don't know, because you probably would have wanted to see him on preseason. But, yeah, Shep, now I'm like, I'm kind of expecting him to play and, like, don't buy it. Like, don't read into that. That's just a blind, that's just a blind guess. But nonetheless, like, Shep being out would hurt. I don't think it hurts nearly as bad because I think we do have wide receivers that are capable of running routes, and, and Shep wasn't ever going to be, like, an Odell Beckham type. But, yeah, him being out hurts because he is the, like, the number one wide receiver on the team right now. Although, you know, Evan Ingram and Saquon should be the focal points of the offense. Shep being out does suck, and it could hurt us, like you said, against a pretty good Buffalo defense. So I, I had to go look at our wide receiver core. The, this goal to take suspension hurts even more now because he would have been huge right here. But the wide receiver, so I'm, I'm in the mindset that Shepard's not playing Sunday. There, I'm in that mindset. So if that happens, we have Cody Latimer. vibes only, Danny. I can't give you the positive vibes. If we lost week one. I'm in uh, panic mode right now. Uh, and so right, look at our depth chart. We got Cody Latimer, Benny Fowler, Russell Shepard, Cody Core, and I put Darius Slayton, but there's no guarantee he'll even play on Sunday. So that's not the most intriguing wide receiver core. That's not a wide receiver core I would want to have right now. But as I said, Evan Ingram had 11 catches for 116 yards on Sunday. I expect that role to only increase, and I expect we maybe see some more of Saquon Barkley this week because the Giants got to rely on those two guys if they want to get it done. But I'm still a fan of Cody Latimer, though. I expect his role to increase. We thought it was going to increase when uh, Tate got suspended. It's going to increase even more now with the possibility of Shepard missing Sunday. So Cody Latimer got the, the week one Bobby's Banff. Yeah, I mean, he had that great one-handed catch. Eli and him were working on the chemistry, and now we're going to see how true it is. I, I also have faith in Benny Fowler So and Russell Shepard has been around the team for a while. So maybe the more I talk about it, the less worried I'm making myself. But they're still – because. Uh, Buffalo, as I said, they're a feisty group over there. So, uh, But this is a game that the Giants have to win to get the momentum back, to get that confidence going, because these are next. Uh, these free games are all winnable. And let's make it clear, Buffalo just barely skidded by the Jets. They got lucky because the Jets kicker can't kick, and just the Jets had to be the Jets for a game. So uh, this is a winnable game, but the Giants need to make sure that they don't – they just got to get it done. That's really what they got to do. Yeah, yeah, Shep, Shep is important. I don't want to downplay that. So, we'll, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much, though, either, because we don't, like, he could be out two weeks and he could be back Sunday. So uh, we don't know there. But obviously having, not having Tate makes that a lot a lot more vital than, than it should be. Uh, any signings, Danny boy? There is a signing that you said right before we went to that Sterling Shepard talk. Tuzar Skipper out of Toledo, who was with the Steelers this preseason, and it seemed like it was the Steelers' MVP of the preseason. Uh, in four preseason games this year, at 18 tackles, four for a loss, five sacks. Uh, seems like the guy was pretty good, and it seemed like it's the Steelers... Uh, I'm taking this from someone. I forgot who exactly, but I, I agree with it. It seemed like the Steelers released him like at a time where teams already usually had their 53 men set, and they just tried to hope that he would clear waivers to get to the practice squad. But the Giants were sitting there like, no, 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 no. We got a free spot. He's coming with us. And I believe he, he could be a good pickup, especially with uh, the Martin unknown and just the defense needing all the help they can get right now. So Tuzar Skipper, uh, he, I believe he could bring something to the defense. Nothing amazing, but still, he seems like he had a decent preseason. And uh, you you also had a stat from Toledo, uh, 13 games, 60 tackles, 11 and a half for a loss and eight and a half sacks. So the guy was a baller at Toledo and he had a decent preseason. So I'm intrigued to see what Tuzar brings to the field on Sunday because I believe he'll get a few snaps. Yeah, he is super intriguing. He really is. And those like Steelers fans were mad that they let him go. They love this guy. And and Tuzar actually retweeted, which was pretty cool. Um, this guy must be like a Toledo fan or something. He had bought it. He bought a Steelers Tuzar skipper jersey, and like it came in the mail today or yesterday when you're listening to this. And he's like, "Can somebody in the Giants organization send me a Tuzar skipper jersey?" Uh, and if you go look at his sacks from the preseason, they weren't like cover sacks where you know the QB's holding on. Like he was getting off the ball quick and getting into the offensive lineman's chest and throwing to the side. I mean, it was against backups, but nonetheless, like it was, you know, how we talk about preseason, like don't look at results, look at in, like individual uh, performance. And it looked really good. Like it was like exciting. Like that, it honestly looked like James Harrison. It really did. Uh, so I like him. And he, he like, he started off slow at Toledo and then he had a good last year. And then 
So he, this is one of those, and he, you know, went to rookie camp and then got an invite and then made the team and then ended up getting cut. He's really intriguing, man, because these undrafted, undrafted guys, they do, they make it all the time. Like, look at how, how many undrafted free agents are, like, starting for NFL teams. Like, not even, like, later in the season, but week one. So he's super intriguing. I, I really like him. And he's got a cool name in Tuzar Skipper. It'd be better if his name was Taser. But nonetheless, I, I really like him. And I want to see him on Sunday. Um, if not, just because our pass rush sucks. So, let's like, let's see what he can do against, uh, you know, NFL first-string offensive tackles. I really believe the Steelers were trying to get back on practice squad. Because there's no, they released him so late that it almost seemed like they were just, as I said, hoping they got him back. But the Giants had that spot, and they clearly liked what they saw from him, so they scooped him up. So, yeah, he's an interesting prospect. I, I, I feel like he'll probably get a few plays on Sunday because, as I said, the Giants' defense, they need anything right now to try and get a pass rush developed. And so may, do I think he'll bring something to the pass rush table? No, but maybe he'll get a, a few good plays here and there. So, But, yeah, he, he's a very interesting prospect, and it makes sense to take a risk on that guy because, like, what? You, you lose nothing by having him on your team. You really don't. Yeah, definitely. And he 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 uh, he comes in after the Nate Stupar cutting, so – uh, I'd much rather have anybody, honestly, than Nate Stupar. Uh, and then we had some cuttings. Danny, let's go through those real quick, and then we could kind of do some film cleanup on the game, and then we'll hit mailbag. So Rod Smith and Scott Simonson uh, have reached an injury settlement with the Giants. So Rod Smith, who cares? He he was gone. But the Scott Simonson one, uh, Arch Stapleton put this out. He said, here in Scott Simonson injury settlement with the Giants for six weeks would make sense for a high ankle. Well, obviously, high ankle sprain takes that time. So uh, there's belief that the Giants will have him come back because not. I don't see any teams really wanting to pick up Scott Simpson, and I feel like Scott likes it here in New York, so he likes his team here. So I think we'll see Scott Simpson back, and I really hope we do because I believe he'll be a very key contributor once he comes back from that high ankle sprain, if, if, if it is with the Giants, obviously. Yeah, I, I think him coming back depends on how good Eric Tomlinson is because if Eric Tomlinson is playing good, um, blocking well and, and being able to run a route here and there, uh, and which we'll, we'll actually talk about in one of his routes later. Uh, I think that I think it all depends on that for Scott Simonson. And I, I like Simonson. I really do. Uh, so, yeah. And then, like you said, Rod Smith, not worried about him. Um, so let's go into film cleanup, Danny. Film cleanup. I actually really look forward to this, even though like we lost and it sucked. First things first, let's, let's talk about the defense. Horrible. It was. And I don't even want to talk about Antonio Hamilton because I don't think he should have even been out there. And I really hate bashing a guy that's not a veteran, that's really getting his first shot to play in the NFL. Um, and he like, wasn't like a high draft pick and there wasn't expectations. And we talked about that on Monday. So I, I don't want to I don't want to hammer to Antonio Hamilton because I didn't like we said last week in the pregame show that like I we didn't even believe that when they said they were going to match reps with DeAndre Baker. So I, I just don't want to get into him, um, and I kind of feel bad for him. Like he doesn't like he doesn't he does like it's not like he's Curtis Riley and he's a cocky like douche. He's just kind of like a nice humble guy. So I, I don't want to get into him. Here's who I will get into: Antoine Bethea and Alec Ogletree, who are the, supposed to be the leaders of this defense, sucked. I mean, absolutely horrible. And I, I'll start with Antoine Bethea because I'm going to rip in the Ogletree way more than him. Both those touchdowns over the middle were on Antoine Bethea. It was play action. He bit up, and he got. they just got killed. They got killed off that. That was two touchdowns, and, and there was a few other times where he, he got beat. I understand, The Giants set out to stop the run game, which they did, but, man, they, they sacrificed the passing game. And that was, that was on all 11 guys, really. So I'm not saying, like – the reason that they got passes off was Bethea because it was, it was a whole team effort, but nonetheless, like we've, and we've seen Dallas do that against us. So like, you had to be ready for that, for the tight end coming over the middle slot coming over the middle. So, and when you have like, and, and you know, it's one thing for Ogletree to bite up a little too much and Tay Davis to bite up a little too much, but come on, dude, it's covered too. You got to know that's coming. And even if you bite up for a second, man, you got to be ready to bail. So those two touchdowns were on Bethea. He looked really bad. That being said, I like Antoine Bethea a lot. He's a proven guy. I don't think he's, like, lost it, like, uh, athletic-wise, physical, you know, physically. So I'm actually not worried about Bethea going forward. Although, like, I don't, I'm not going to give him a pass either. He flat out sucked. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to – first, I'm going to have to bring up something I thought about with Antonio Hamilton. 
uh, Corey Ballantyne, literally right after that game, he went to Kansas because he had to testify in that draft night shooting. Maybe the Giants didn't play him because maybe they didn't feel he was in the right headspace. And I, if that's the case, I completely understand that. The guy, he, he went for a lot. I, I don't think that what, what what it was, really. Because I then mean, it's like, why is DeAndre Baker? And we'll talk a lot about ba- Ballantyne and Mailbag. There's a few questions about him. But yeah, I don't even want to speculate that. Like, if if that's the case, don't even don't even let him travel. But yeah, yeah, I I don't think that was the issue, honestly. Yeah, I'm just annoyed that we didn't see Corey Ballantyne because Antonio Hamilton was just bad. But I'm with you. Hamilton seems like a, a very humble guy. Uh, he he went on Twitter. He accept, he took the blame head on. But yeah, so Antoine Fay, he was just terrible. Uh, just look at the stats. Uh, Zeke Elliott, 13 carries for 53 yards. Giants did stop him. Now, people may say, oh, but he was in Cabo for all at training camp. Still, uh, I mean, they gave and him. It wasn't because of that. It was because the Giants set out to stop the run. And that's what they yeah. did. But it, did, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work yeah. as a whole because they killed us with play action. Dak was 15 for 16 on play action. And, and granted, I will say, week one, this is when stuff like this happens. Like miscommunications, this kind of stuff happens in week one. Especially against a brand new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore, who, if he keeps this up, he'll have a head coaching job next year, which I think he'll actually be younger than Sean McVay when he got his job. Maybe, I, maybe. But I remember him killing it at Boise State. Um, so, like, this is the first time we got to see this offensive coordinator. But at the same time, it's like they kind of ran the same stuff over and over again. Play action from the gun, guy going up the seam in the cover two. If not. They'd have like a comeback route or and then guys just got beat deep. So I, I don't want to give too much credit to Kellen Moore while he but he does deserve some. No, yeah, Kellen Moore, he, he just called a great game. And just look at the stats. Michael Gobb, seven hundred seven catches, hundred and fifty yards. Mark Cooper, six catches, hundred and six yards. So the Giants went all in on the run game. They were able to do that, but they could forgot the passing game is also part of football. So yeah, Antoine Buffet, he he let up some big plays. The safeties just weren't impressive. Jabril Peppers didn't blow me away. Antoine Buffet didn't blow me away. Yes, it's week one, but still, this defense knew communication was an issue and from the very first game, and it was not addressed in week one. And I can only hope they get it done. Now, this defense is very young, and there will be mistakes that get made, but Ogletree and Buffet need to be a leader, and they need to be probably our two best players to keep these rookies in check. And they did not do that jo- their job on Sunday. Jack Rabbit did fine. Nothing impressive, but we didn't have to hear Jack Rabbit a lot, so I like that. But, yeah, Buffet didn't blow me away, and I'll, I'll let you uh, rip Alec Ogletree as you, you're about well, to do. Well, first, first of all, Peppers... Uh, he didn't play bad. Now, he didn't come out and be a playmaker, which is what we want him to be. Um, he didn't really do anything in the run game, but uh, I don't think Peppers played bad. Uh, there was two catches on him. One wasn't even necessarily on him. It was like a, it was like a little tight end bubble to win. Now, Alec Ogletree. I, and people have been critical of Ogletree last year. I think he was better than people thought. He looked like the worst middle linebacker I've ever seen. He was horrible. In the past game, he was completely lost. He was always a second late. Like in the past game, he was garbage, man. They killed him underneath. He was always a second late. And he made bad decisions when he knew what to do. Or he made bad plays when he knew what to do. In the run game, go watch. Like if you can if you have the ability to go like rewatch it, he didn't shed a single block. And granted, the Dallas the O-line is pretty good, but they just they it looked like they were playing against a college team. It looked like the Alabama offensive line going against um the citadel like he was dominating the run game it was so bad and i've seen a lot of people say oh like we gotta get tay davis off the field tay davis actually played pretty well he didn't play perfect but he played well and you know what we all offseason we said tay davis needs to be more aggressive he was and he made some plays he had a smack on dak prescott uh he 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 blew up uh zeke a couple times like he had some mistakes but at least that he was aggressive in him Ogletree wasn't aggressive. He fell for every play action. He sucked in the pass game. Whenever there's an under route, he was a second late. And he got dominated like a little kid out there in the run blocking game. And I hate talking bad about players, but when you're getting paid $10 million a year and you've been all pro before and you've been in the NFL this long and you were a first-round draft pick and you're supposed to be a leader of this team, my gosh, was it bad. I mean, it was ugly. So people have been saying, we got to get Tay Davis off the field and start Ryan Connolly. I agree. I like Ryan Connolly. He might be – should start. But it should be over Tay or, or over Ogletree, not Tay Davis. Now I'm not. It's week one, so I don't want to pull that trigger yet. But if there's another game like that, try and do try and trade Ogletree for a seventh round pick. 
I'm serious. I'd rather have Ryan Connolly and Tay Davis out there. At least Tay Davis's mistakes are understandable because he's an undrafted free agent, only playing his third year ever at linebacker. Because you know we all know he played safety in college, and he was playing aggressive. I mean, Ogletree was awful. He besides, actually, I'll say he was worse than Antonio Hamilton because a middle linebacker doesn't have like the chance to get exposed like that. He was he was the worst player on the defense, um, and he just looked bad. Like, Bethea's stuff was mental, and Tony Hamilton is just not supposed to be out there. But Ogletree, in every facet of the game, just got dominated and sucked. He was bad, man. I mean, if he listens to me ripping him right now, he's probably going to be like, this dumbass, what what if you ever play? You would you play D2? But nonetheless, he was bad. And if this continues for another week or two, trade him. Please trade him for anything. If not trade him, bench him. Because, like, I understand he's a leader. But, like, he sucked. He was so bad. I mean, we went from Calvin Munson. When, when it first happened, we went from, like, Calvin Munson or whoever our starting middle linebacker was in 2017 to Alec Ogletree. And there's so much hope because you look at him in uh, St. Louis and L.A., he was a dominant force there. And he made that St. Louis-L.A. Rams defense decent. Obviously, the L.A. Rams defense was still better when he left. But still, Alec Ogletree was a key part of that. And he, came and he was playing against, like, that. That even with Jeff Fisher, that defense was so good that it's made to make middle linebackers good. And Ogletree was like Ogletree wasn't as bad as people made him out to be. He was actually good in the past game against RPOs, which like when they'd run that backside slant, he was there. Like he made plays last year, and obviously the you know the interceptions aren't necessarily telling of how he was for the whole year. But he made plays in the run game. Like he was a good linebacker. He wasn't like ten million dollars worth, but he was a good linebacker. But this week one performance and. I get like week one stuff has to be figured out, but just getting dominated in the run game and and not being aggressive, like it's that's the kind of stuff that's not like, oh, it's week one. That's the kind of stuff it's like, what are you doing, my man? That's the thing. He just wasn't aggressive. Like last year, Al Golgotry, yeah, he had his mistakes, but he still went out there and played very good football. He had like what, five interceptions, made some good plays, and he just Al Golgotree, there there's so much potential in him, but if, as you said, if he keeps struggling, Ryan Connolly's right there. I will not has. I will hope they wouldn't hesitate hesitate to put Ryan Connolly in. Maybe, maybe Ogletree. He, this defense. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't get it. Maybe it's too fast for him to understand. I don't know what it is. Ogletree was so good with the Rams, but he came to us and he just wasn't good. I. I. It just shocked to me because Ogletree. There's so much potential in him, and yeah. I mean, yeah. As you said, Antoine Hamilton. He. he we sh- maybe we should have expected that when we heard that because the guy has never started at corner before in his life and he was and thrown he was out there in the preseason as well so. yeah and he got thrown out there against like what Amari Cooper Michael Gallup very capable receivers Ogletree should have no reason to to have these excuses so Ogletree needs to step it up this week against the Bills I mean if, if the, the real test game will probably be at the Buccaneers if he can't if he struggles against Jameis Winston in that Bucks offense get, I don't I don't want him out there anymore I want Ryan Connolly we have two bad QBs in a row Josh Allen and Jameis Winston and I don't want to get too much in the preview in those games but we have two bad QBs, so the real test of this defense will get there. And we'll, we'll talk about the defense in a whole. The other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, cleanup, Dexter Lawrence. People are like, we, dra- we picked this guy 17th. Dexter Lawrence played pretty dang good. Now, the stats don't tell the story, but we knew going into it. Dexter Lawrence isn't a guy that's going to rack up all these stats. Like, the film tells a story on him. And he garnered a double team for the most of the time. He got penetration. And, like, he did his job. But he had 28 snaps. Olsen Pierre had more snaps than Dexter Lawrence. He had 28. And don't. And then with that, people are going to go, see, we drafted a two-down guy uh, in the first round. That's not what it was. It wasn't like they, they were playing him first and second down and take him out on third down. He wasn't playing first and second down. They were just kind of throwing them out there almost randomly. So it wasn't like, oh, this guy can't play on third down. It was like, no, they weren't playing him on first and second down. He was the third guy in the rotation out of Dalvin Thomason and B.J. Hill. I can understand having B.J. Hill ahead of him, but Dalvin Thomason, no. And Dalvin Thomason didn't have a good game, but I, I didn't expect Dalvin Thomason to have a good game against this Cowboys offensive line. Like I think he's a, I think he's an a, a average to a little bit above average defensive lineman, which I'm not mad at him about. I think that's fine. That's who he is. Um, so you know he's not going to have the greatest game against an offensive line like Dallas. But Dexter Lawrence, like he moved the pocket back. There was times where they even triple teamed him. And they just didn't play him. And it wasn't like, oh, he played a bunch and then garbage time they took him out. No, they just did not play him a lot. I mean, when I was, you know, when you're watching the game live, there's a lot to, like, keep up with. 
But then rewatching the film, was like, where where is Dexter Lawrence out here? So that was baffling to me that they didn't play him more. So as far like Dexter Lawrence as a player, not worried about him one bit. I mean, I still don't agree after watching the tape with some of the Giants' game plan in this game. But yeah, they, we should have seen Dexter Lawrence more. But when he was out there. He, you got to prepare for a guy like Dexter Lawrence. He's a guy that can wreck your run game, and he can even get out after your quarterback if given the opportunity. So when they when he was out there, they made sure they locked him down. But yeah, the Giants just didn't use him. Like James Betcher, like if you're a rookie sometimes, like DeAndre Baker being accepted, he makes you work for those reps. He made Lorenzo Carter work for those reps. He made Grant Haley work for those reps. He makes you work, and I mean, hopefully next week they just put Dexter Lawrence out there because he, he will – he could eat Buffalo's offensive line alive. I obviously haven't looked at the tape in full as I'm t- as I'm talking right now, but when I do, I can 100% see Dexter Lawrence eating that Buffalo offense alive. So I want him out there against Josh Allen, against whoever the Bills running back is, against that Buffalo offensive line because he can be a wreck for that. And I mean, Dalvin Thompson. I still have faith for Dalvin Thompson. I'm a big Dalvin Thompson fan. But yeah, I'm not uh, dissing Dalvin Thompson. No, yeah, no. I just uh, him against the Cowboys O line. Like I didn't expect much out of Dalvin. I would uh, at least right now, maybe just because Dexter Lawrence, I've, I I just want to see what he brings, put Dexter in front of Dalvin. But I, I still want that to be a good duo because I could see that being the duo of the future because Dalvin, I mean, he was under the tutelage of one of the better nose tackles in the game and uh, snack, Damian Snacks Harrison. So I, I would hope that Dexter Lawrence gets more playing time this week against uh, Buffalo. But I still want to see Dalvin out there and BJ, I need BJ to be a threat as well. The The main thing is, the reason why Dak was so successful in this game was one, the coverage bust, obviously, but he didn't have to worry about anything in the pocket. He, he, like, no pass rush, and he just had all the time to make any decision he wants. The Giants need to get a pass rush going to help this secondary make some plays because I guarantee you, if there's a pass rush, some of these plays would not have been completed or they just wouldn't have looked as amazing as they were. A pass rush is needed, and they need to get it developed right now against Buffalo, make Josh Allen uncomfortable, and make him make some stupid decisions because the Jets were able to do that, and they almost won the game. Just a kicker cost it to them. So the main thing that I took away from this, we need a pass rush, and if we get a pass rush, that'll help the secondary out a little bit. All right, so... Let's talk about the defense as a whole. First of all, I put this out uh, yesterday. The Giants, at every position that was replaced, Antoine Bethea, much better than Curtis Roddy. Yeah, I understand he sucked, but he's a better player than Curtis Roddy. I think we can all agree on that. Peppers, I think he's better than Landon Collins. And I, and I don't want to just be like, oh, well, Landon Collins is gone. Peppers is in. I do think Peppers is, is better. And Peppers didn't have a bad game. And he's not, uh, he's not $84 million dollars. Um, and he's he's entering his third year, first team time with the Giants. Corner DeAndre Baker was horrible. Like he got beat a few times. You know, the two deep balls, one the gallop, one the Cooper for the touchdown. Uh, there was one uh, on a on a deep post that he got beat. But nonetheless, DeAndre Baker, we expect him to be better than B.W. Webb. Dexter Lawrence is better than Josh Morrow. I get Josh Morrow had a good game against the Raiders, which was like that was like I watched that game. I was like, whoa, what what is Josh Morrow doing making plays? Uh, so I, I kind of thought that was funny. I was like, man, you couldn't have done that last year. What are you doing, steroids again? Um, and then what was the uh, uh, Marcus Golden? Um, he's not as good as Olivier Vernon, but Olivier Vernon was hurt all the time. Um, and then Tay Davis and Connolly are better than B.J. Goodson, you know. And then every other position was, you know, the same guy. And then there's a lot of second-year guys who are, you know, B.J. Hill, Lorenzo Carter, Grant Haley, who are, you know, supposed to be guys that should improve. James Betch and and a lot of the stuff was miscommunication stuff. And like we said in the beginning of the show, that kind of stuff happens in week one. So I'm not saying like, oh, don't worry about it. But I also am saying like, let's not overreact to week one. That kind of stuff happens in week one. Offenses win the first chunk of the season. That's what it is. Remember last year? Welcome to the new NFL. And then you get like to week, you know, 12 through 17 in the playoffs when you have these, you know, the Rams, you know, scoring eight points against the Bears or whatever it was. So defenses get better as the season goes along. And then I point out the Colts, who didn't necessarily build, aren't building the same way as the Giants, but similarly, where they're like, all right, let's get our O-line fixed. And then on offense, the biggest difference is they already have their QB and luck, where we just got our QB and Jones. Um, and then they, they, they went after a linebacker and Darius Leonard, um, who is a beast. Uh, and then we like, so like you can, I, I, I say you could swap out like Dexter Lawrence and Darius Leonard as like that new fresh face. Um, but nonetheless, a young defense. They they gave up the, for the, through the first six games thirty points a game when they went start off one and five, 
And when they started reeling off games, they only gave up 16 points a game. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with the Giants because we don't have a pass rush. But look at the Colts roster last year. They didn't have, like, any, like, pass rusher guys. They just drafted some guys like Kamoko Ture. But, like, Kamoko Ture didn't have a great season. But they kind of did it by committee, um, getting actually getting pressure up the middle, um, which the Giants are built to do. Play Dexter Lawrence, please. So I, I'm not saying that's what it is, but it's just kind of a reference point. But James Betcher, you were brought in to bring these exotic plays, and maybe you were scared to do it week one because you do have all these young pieces. But, man, we got beat doing this basic stuff. So why not try something else? Why not try a six-man blitz and bump and run coverage? And then I, I highlighted the play, and it ended up getting called back because uh, Marcus Golden was off sides. Um, but that actually, like, you know, I actually I put, a, I put a, a film breakdown out on it. On that play, you had Ogletree and Peppers on the left side of the line. And then you had uh, two defensive line. I, I think it was Dalvin and BJ. Dalvin was lined up pretty much right on the guard, on, a little bit to the inside. And then BJ was on the on the outside of the tackle. And then you had Golden. Golden jumping off sides. But nonetheless, that's a weird look. And they had like nobody else behind there. And they got they got a hit on deck. Golden got a hit on deck. Now, granted, he was off sides, but it confused. But it wasn't because like oh he you know he just beat the guy off. It confused Leal Collins, and it led to that getting hit and an incompletion. Nonetheless, like I said, called back. I understand that, so don't be like, oh, well, he was offsides. But, like, that's the kind of stuff James Betcher was supposed to do, and he didn't do it. So, James Betcher, you're supposed to be this guy who runs these crazy blitzes and these different fronts. Do it. You're supposed to run these safety A-gap blitzes. Do it. We didn't do it. We ran cover two and cover three. That's what we did all game. That's that's preseason defense. Do this crazy stuff, man. That's what you're brought to be in and do. We're, of course, we're going to get beat on plays when you do stuff like that, when you have young guys. But we're getting beat anyways, Betcher. Do something, my man. Do something or you'll be out of here. And I'm not saying – I'm not like saying Betcher sucks, need to fire him. But if it continues like this, he will be the scapegoat. Because I – um, like, Shermer's not getting fired. And we got to mail that question about that. So I don't want to talk about that. But Betcher will be the scapegoat. So Betcher, do something, my man. Do something. There's talks before the season that, or not before the season, like last year, that James Betcher, this will be a short-term gig because he's going to be getting a head coaching guy because he was one of those bright-minded defensive coordinators when he was with Arizona. And so far he has the broad that he's not helping himself. So, yeah, he, he needs... His guys are young, and I maybe the Giants will forgive him for that, but maybe they won't because they just need someone to fall out on. But as I'm with you, if James Betcher doesn't get something going, I like the guy. He's a very energetic guy. I, I want to be friends with James Betcher, but I would want a defense coordinator that will actually get something going. I don't want to be getting teared alive every week. I don't want this. I don't want every game to be a shootout. While shootouts are fun, I, I, I my heart can't handle that, and. Our offense proves uh, they get to. Let me make this clear: it's a very good Dallas defense, but a shoot they can't handle a shootout. The defense just needs to get stops. And as I said before, the pass rush is needed. If we can't get a pass rush, our secondary will keep getting exposed, and nothing will work. And I'm with you. He needs to start blitzing, doing these exotic blitzes. If he, because that's what made him James Betcher. And so far, I feel like he lost that here in New York. He's played conservative. At this point, we're zero and one. Just go all out. Just I know it's only one game, but still, go all out. Make this defense – make people fear him because these guys believe they could be a top-10 defense. But with the play calling we had – Stop then and let's calm down now, Danny boy. I, no, I'm not saying that. That's what Alec Ogletree said. That's what they're saying. They believe they could be it. it but if they even want to get to that, they want to pass rush and need it and just make yourself James Betcher again. Prove why you're in New York, why Pat Shermer believed in you. Spread out those blitzes. Make and, the- and Betcher showed it before, but he didn't like he didn't pull any of that stuff out, man. And we got like, and I understand because people are like, you got to make adjustments. You can't just scrap, a, especially week one with young. You can't just like scrap a game plan. Like this isn't Madden. You can't just be like, you know what? We're gonna completely throw out the game plan. You can't do that. I understand that. But going forward, let's see some of that stuff. And listen, if we're seeing it, they're seeing it too. So, uh, did you just drop your microphone? Dang it. I did. I did drop my microphone. <laughs> Don't worry. I've done it like 25 times. Um, I just backhanded my microphone. It's so obvious when that happens because you're just... <laughs> um, all right, so this show's going way longer than I expected, but you know what? It's worth it because I think this Wednesday shows will be our best shows in season. All right, let's transition to the offense. 
I don't want to spend too much time on the offense. Um, we'll get to the the third and one, and, and people have beat that to death. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Here's what I want to say, because people, man, they came out fast. Bench, Eli, all he does is check down. And listen, if you want to start Daniel Jones, I'm fine with that. If you think that the season's done, and if the coaches believe that, go ahead, pit Daniel Jones in. I, I'm, I'm really completely fine with that. And we talked all offseason. I, I hope they do have a short leash with Eli. I don't think they should let him play out and all this stuff. Um, but with the whole check down stuff, this isn't Madden. This is the NFL. You don't just throw the ball deep. And someone shared like the passing, like the passing chart. It's like, oh my gosh, look at all these checkdowns. And I was like, okay, look at every other QB besides Patrick Mahomes. That's what the NFL is. You don't just throw the ball deep. That's so simple minded. You can't just like throw the ball deep. And then when people are like, oh, and like when you're down in fourth down, why are you throwing the ball short? Well, because when you're down in the fourth quarter, they they're dropping seven guys and leaving everything underneath. You can't just throw the ball. You'll get interceptions. Like, look at Daniel Jones when he threw the ball deep. That's a, that's a ball that should have been intercepted. You can't just, like, oh, I guess if you if that's your mindset, like, I'll just might as well just throw Hail Marys, then that's one thing. But you're just going to throw interceptions. So, it's and I understand you with Eli Manning, there's some things that will never make people happy. But, like, people just think, like, you just throw the ball downfield. To throw the ball, like, it's not that simple. You can't just throw the ball downfield. And he made good decisions. Like, and like, and like people talk about you gotta watch the film. And and the people who were sharing this were like, oh, like, don't look at the stats. Okay, what if a guy's playing 10 yards off Sterling Shepard and they just do a quick out to him and he gets 10 yards? That's a good play. And that was, but when you look at a passing chart, it's like, wow, he threw the ball negative one yards. So just just stop with all that. Okay. Now Granted, like Daniel Jones probably would take a few more shots, but he probably would have had an interception too. Now, we didn't really have and, – and there were, and there was mistakes by Eli. So I'm not saying like Eli's still the greatest. Like Eli made mistakes. Like actually on that play, like the David Tyree like run play, he had Latimer open. He should have thrown that ball before uh, he got pressure and had the run away. Nonetheless, it was a really cool clip. Like I liked it. Um, but he had Latimer early. He should have thrown that ball. So let's talk about the third and one, fourth and one stuff. First of all, we, we talked about this on Monday's show. We're not a good enough team to get cute and play these rollouts. And one, that's not what Eli is. We're not good enough to be cute. Especially when you know you're going on fourth, just please hand the ball to Saquon, get the first down. We're not good enough to do that. That's all I want to say on that. Um, and then, you know, I'm talking too long. I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you talk in a second, Danny. Um, and then on the one play where everyone, Carl Banks, Dan Duggan, we're all going at it. He should have thrown the ball. Now, granted, Sterling Shepard got tackled, but he should have thrown the ball to Shepard before that. And Eric Tomlinson was open. I get like, oh, well, you, you're expecting to throw against like uh, uh, to the backside. Yes. On fourth down. Yes. You like if there's, you know, the people like just take a shot. That's the down when you do it. Fourth down, take a shot. And he could, he should have completed that. And I like what Dan Duggan did. And he brought up, he showed the play from the Redskins game where it was very similar. He should have thrown that ball. Now, maybe Jalen Smith does get under an intercepted, but it's fourth down. So we're, we're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if, if that's what the case was going to be. So you got to throw that ball. And he should have shown it to Shepard before. It was a penalty. Like that is a penalty by the rules. The ref screwed that up. But nonetheless, Eli should have thrown the ball. Um, but we should have ran the ball there. And I don't want to get into 11 carries because it's a lot of semantics. I believe we should have ran the ball more. But I also understand that we didn't have the ball a lot in the first half. Part of that was because we didn't run the ball as much. But nonetheless, I'm not like Eli, like the, the check down crowd, shut up. And then, but at the same time, there Eli did make mistakes and game changing mistakes with that fourth and one. And then the intentional grounding, I believe that was intentional grounding. Like, he, he threw it before he got hit, and it didn't take it to the line of scrimmage. That's on Eli. So, um, while Eli didn't play bad, he also didn't give a, make plays to win the game uh, when, when they were always there. He did make some plays that, you know, that to win the game, like the, the Latimer play. And he, he, had, he had some really good plays, and he made good decisions. But he had his mistakes, too. But, uh, but like, if this game is 17-14 is Giants or 2017 Cowboys – those also um, 
those also like you know those we don't even think about those and people are like well we had 10 points going the garbage time it's like okay but garbage time was the fourth quarter like you can't just cut that out okay that's a that's a quarter of football so um Danny, any thoughts on the offense that I haven't rambled on for for 10 minutes? I mean, no. I mean, if I was to say anything, yeah, I would basically be repeating you. But, yeah, on those third and four for one plays, don't roll off, Eli. Just hand it off to Saquon. And on that play where Dallas got uh, got a break with that 12 man on the field, they were going to hand it off, I mean, to Elijah Penny at that point. Stick with that or at least put Saquon in. Run the football. Don't, don't do hand the ball to Penny, please. And I like Penny. but I like and yeah, I love like, fullbacks, but I hate fullback dives. I think yeah. there's such a waste, especially when you have a guy like Saquon. Yeah, I, I think fullback dives are such a waste of a play. You're just taking a blocker away. I, yeah. Now, granted, if the gap is wide open, yeah, hand the ball to the fullback because he's going to be free. But when they're expecting you to run, don't do that. So, anyways, that's all I wanted to clean up on the offense. Just oh, and let me say this too, on a positive note. How good is it that the offensive line is good? Every year, the offensive line sucks. The offensive line sucks. And I'm not expecting them to, like, have a great game every game. But you know what? Mike Rimmers showed up, and he shut down Demarcus Lawrence. Nate Solder had some really good plays. When they did run the ball, they had good plays. Evan Ingram was a good blocker. And I and there's, like, two sides to the Evan Ingram thing. People are like, if you think he was a bad blocker, you weren't paying attention. And then there's, a like, wow, he's blocking good. There's a middle ground. He's not a great blocker. But they put him in good spaces. And, like, he did what he needed to do in blocking last year. So he wasn't, like, some great, like, run-blocking tight end. But he did his job. So there's, like, you know, when people are, like, so on on one side, it's usually in the middle. So that that's all I've got. Yeah, moral of the story, done third and one, fourth and one. Just hand the ball off to Saquon. We'll get you the first down. If you're the Chiefs, run some kind of play action. Like, do that. Or if you're up 14, do do some stuff like that. But when you're not good, when you're not being like when you're when you're down, don't get too cute with it. That's basically in hindsight's 2020. So that that's all I got in the offense. You got anything, Danny, before we move the mailbag? No, I got nothing. All right, let's do a quick ad and then we'll go on to the mail. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Danny, let's get into the mail. First question comes from... At Scooch ESM, he asks, uh, easy one, Ballantyne has to play more this weekend, right? Also got to get rotated people around to find some pass rush. Uh, yeah, biggest issue is a pass rush. I mean, if Antonio Hamilton can learn, excuse me, can learn to tackle, then I'm all for him playing. He just oh, oh, I disagree. Sorry, I could finish. I, don't, I keep on interrupting you, and that's rude. I mean, no, I want to see Ballantyne play. I'm a huge fan of Ballantyne, but, I mean, if Antonio Hamilton could just tackle someone, that'd be fantastic. That would be a step in the right direction for him to gain the respect of Giants fans back. But, no, I want to see more of Corey Ballantyne this weekend and not just in garbage time. Yeah, the tackling actually isn't worrying about me with Hamilton. It's just that he sucks. Um, no offense, Antonio Hamilton. I like you, but you're not good at football. Um, sorry, that's mean. Uh, yeah, obviously, Ballantyne's got to play more. Or Julian Love, or just played DeAndre Baker the whole game, like anything but Hamilton. Ballantyne, you know what? They played, and you can't just say, "Well, Ballantyne had a good preseason against second strength," which he did, and he might come out and struggle. But that's who Hamilton played against the pre in the preseason, and he struggled. So at least Ballantyne can go out there and make some plays, make some tackles. So yeah, so rotate Kelly Ballantyne in. That's what sucks. It, and you know what? Grant Haley didn't play good either. I would love to see Julian Love move into that nickel spot. I would. And that's why I said at the beginning of camp, I was like, why play this guy at two positions if people are like, no, let him learn now. Because we could have him possibly starting at nickel, and we don't get to see – like, he probably won't be ready for it. 
So, yeah, I don't know if you could pick Corey Ballantyne in the nickel because he hasn't practiced that at all. But, yeah, I want to see Corey Ballantyne on the field because he had a really good preseason. And I'm not just being like, like, like we said before, don't look at results, look at individual like performance. And he was a playmaker. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Corey Ballantyne get out there, but I also would like to just see DeAndre Baker play all the snaps. Um, so if, but we also need to see what we have at Ballantyne because to see if Janoris Jenkins could be expendable in the future, whether it's a trade this year or, or letting him go in the offseason. So, yeah, I, I do want to see Corey Ballantyne. I, now that I'm kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But yeah, I, I would like to, see, if, if we're going to do this rotation thing, yes, Corey Ballantyne over Antonio Hamilton. Yeah, I'm all for uh, Corey Ballantyne playing more time instead of just uh, garbage time reps and you know and uh, more games. So next question comes from Cash on Deck. Uh, Cash on Deck. Ka on Deck. I assume uh, his username was taken. Uh, he has Connolly should start. Shula should call plays. Give Lover Ballantyne a shot. Uh, I mean, it's too early to hand over the play calling abilities. Obviously, uh, when uh, the coach that shall not be named on this show handed uh, his offensive play calling abilities over to Mike Sullivan, it worked out well in that Broncos game. And uh, But it's still too early for Sherman to hand over the plays to Shula. Uh, if maybe come back to me in week four, then hand the plays over to Shula. Then I would feel more confident. I mean, handing the plays over, though. I mean, like, could it make a difference? Yeah, it would allow Sherman to focus on more things and all that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, don't hand it over to Shula yet. It's still too early. Uh, start Connolly. Give local tree at least another two weeks to figure out what's going on there. And we said, yeah, give Ballantyne a shot. At least one week. As much as I ripped Ogletree, give him one more week. Oh, yeah, um, give Ballantyne the shot. With the Shula thing, no, I'm, I'm really. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of Shula. I'm okay with him being a QB coach, but I'm not the biggest fan of him. But if he were calling plays, you guys wouldn't be complaining about not running the ball enough because he would pound the he would pound the ball into the ground. Um, and I'm going to tweet out how it's interesting that it's actually the coordinators from that Carolina Super Bowl going against each other uh, with Mike Shula and Sean McDermott. And I think Pat Trimmer's a good play caller. Obviously, he has some like some bad decisions, which we talked about earlier. But I'm a believer in Pat Shermer. I really am. I think he's a good coach. I like what he does. I like how he's a leader. Like, you know how like, some guys are just made to be coordinators and they can't handle being a head coach. Freddie Kitchens. Um, But I believe that Pat Shermer is a head coach. I like him a lot. And I know people like, look at his records. Like, well, look at anybody's record who got the, had the coach in Cleveland. So, uh, yeah. And I, I don't believe Pat Shermer will be on the hot seat. Although people will be calling for it if we struggle this year. Unless I think Pat Shermer is a play caller. And I think when guys hand over the play calling midseason, I feel like that's kind of a panic move. So if we want to bring in an offensive coordinator to call plays in the offseason, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with head coaches delegating. In fact, I'd rather have that. The only thing with now in the NFL is when you do good like that, your offensive coordinator leaves. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with either philosophy. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm, I don't want to give Mike Shula the play calling because I, I don't think the play calling was horrible. It was just on those key third and one. So, I guess when it matters, the play calling was bad. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm not really the biggest fan of Mike Shula. I'm okay with him being the QB coach, which is what he is. I know his title is offensive coordinator, but he is the QB coach. But, yeah, I'm, don't I, no go with the Mike Shula stuff for me. Yeah, yeah. Follow the the Shermer thing. Next question comes from at it's Tony D. He asked, "Phil, it's Tony D. Yes, given the importance of Daniel Jones' development, Pat Shermer's job is safe in 2019 as long as he wins any amount of games. Pat Shermer's not getting fired. Him and Dave Gellman are here for the long haul. They're not going to fire him while Daniel Jones hasn't even taken the field yet. Pat Shermer and Dave Dave Gellman got at least another two years in them. There's no way they get fired uh, this year. Bobby, is that the same with you? I, I think there's a chance it would have to go super bad and have to go McAdoo bad. He, I don't think there's a win total. If he lost the locker room, which when you lose a locker room, it's hard to get it back. Look at Miami. Mike Flo, like, And I think Brian Flores in Miami is kind of getting a raw deal because they did trade all away his guys. But he went in there and acted like he was Bill Belichick. And it's like, you're not Bill Belichick. And I can't stand like the guys from Bill Belichick's coaching tree who do that kind of stuff. Uh, Matt Patricia, I think he's the worst head coach in the NFL right now. Uh, and Flores, like, trolling Kenny Stills and stuff. We talked about that a lot on Simple Man Radio, which is back, by the way. So, 
I don't think it's a win total, but if he lost the locker room to- like completely, and I'm not talking about losing it from like, like if Janoris Jenkins had another like 2017 thing where then like you just move on from that guy. But I think this is a good locker room. And, you know, with Odell gone, and I don't mean that to take a shot at Odell, but I mean, look at the leaders on this team. Ogletree, you're not going to lose him from the locker room. Michael Thomas is as a captain. Eli and Jones, you're obviously not going to. Shep, although he had like some mini outbursts, I think that was a part of being like a friends with Odell. And I don't even, I hate talking about Odell in the show, but I do think like, like, I think Odell was a bad influence on Shep. Ingram is not that type of personality. Um, O-linemen aren't that kind of guy. Nobody on the D. Like, like who's a guy that would, like, they'd lose a locker room to? I, I don't see anybody like that. Um, like, the only guy that could be is DeAndre Baker. Like, and, and that's just, like, a speculation because there was some character concerns in Georgia. We never really heard what they were besides skipping the bowl game, which I'm completely fine with. So, um, but he's also a rookie, too. So, um, I, I think the only guys that you could lose a locker room with would be Janoris Jenkins and and DeAndre Baker. And I'm not even saying that like Janoris Jenkins is that kind of guy. I just think those are the only two people that could be capable of that. So I, I don't think it's a win total. I think it would be like a, a chaos within the organization kind of thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Then his second question was, what's at least one move in draft or free agency that Gelm has done that you believe Reese wouldn't have, vice versa? I mean... Jerry Reese never cared about offensive linemen, so he would never have traded for Kevin Zeidler. And uh, in the draft, I mean, I mean, I don't really see anything that Reese would have done differently in the draft. And then vice versa. I mean, I, I Reese is out of my memory. All I remember him is he was our GM for 2007 and 2011, and that brought us Super Bowls. That's all I really remember Jerry Reese for nowadays. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think Reese would have taken Saquon. And by the way, all those people are like, Lewis Riddick should be RGM. He said he would have taken Saquon. The only difference is we'd have fat old Dwayne Haskins. So um, I'm, I, I, I'm a believer in Dave Gettleman. I know that might be like, un, like unpopular people, but I like Dave, Dave Gettleman. I like his brashness. I believe in Dave Gettleman. Um, hell, we got shirts that say in Gettleman we trust on our store. So I, I believe in Dave Gettleman. So um, And Jerry Reese. By the way, this is completely a tangent because people, every time, like, Larry Larry Tunzel was on primetime, and every time Larry Tunzel's in the news, people are like, how did we pass on Larry Tunzel? It's like, do you remember draft night? Do you remember that? Like, let's not, like, let's not, like, that's so revisionist history. I can't believe we passed on Larry Tunzel. It's like, well, 10 out, like, 11 other teams did, too. He was going top five. And then a gas mask video comes out, too, and he admits to taking money at Ole Miss. And I'm not... And listen, I'm not being like, how could these scumbag college athletes accept money? I could care less about that. But it is like, like it is breaking the rules. So, like, it is it is a character concern. I'm not saying, like, you like that tells the character of a person. But, like, Larry Tunzel's draft night was a total, like, like screw-up. So, let's not, like, play the, like, how how did he pass on Larry Tunzel? Like, I would have passed on Larry Tunzel that night, too. I wouldn't have went near that. Even though we had a Dave Gettleman and, and, and Dave Gettleman we trust shirt on our shop. Well, so. it's the Danny Dimes, uh, you know. The, oh, it says, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Maybe we should I get a Dave. I should have said that because that would have taken sales down. We, uh, we should get a Dave Gettleman shirt up there, but no one will buy it because everyone hates Dave Gettleman. should fight out Gettleman trust on the store and just have it there when they get there. Yeah. Uh, next question uh, comes from Gazman Superstar. He's got two. I don't know. I'll say the one that we talked about already. Is it possible that we only saw so much of Antonio Hamilton Sunday because Ballantyne had to give the testimony uh, regarding the shooting the next morning? Otherwise, what in uh, LT's name is the reason? Uh, one, we don't know. I brought that up as a reason, but it could be a reason. Or maybe the Giants just don't feel he's ready to go up against the guys like Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup. What's the other guy's name? Randall Cobb. I, I, I don't think so. I, I want to be careful saying this. I think we put a little too much stock into that. Like, he has something to play for. It's like, I think he already has something to play for. He's a six-round draft pick. He has to play for the NFL. He played Division Two. Now, don't, like, and that sucks. Like, and I was listening to a show earlier, and they said, like, his friend was murdered. And that, like, that word just hit me hard. It's like, dang, that really does suck. So, if anything, I think it would almost take away from his play. Because, like, that, that's horrible, man. It really is. So, Maybe that that's why. But I also like look at Dexter Lawrence. He played 28 snaps. DeAndre Baker, they they split the snaps with him. It was almost like they were afraid to play the young guys early. So um, 
No, I, I don't believe that's why, though. Yeah, I mean, once again, we don't really know, but uh, it's still crazy what Ballantyne went through the day he was drafted. Uh, his next... Yeah, dude. It's like, sorry to cut you off, but like, I don't know, man. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but like, that's... I don't know. That's got to screw with the guy. Anyways, I, I don't even, I'm just kind of like rambling about life in general. Uh, that sucks. So next question. I'm, uh, I'm feeling down right now. Next, well, next I'm not question. feeling down, but that just... You know what? Let me shut my stupid mouth. Next question, dang it. His next question was concerned over Shep, but barring any big injuries, I think we win our next three. Do I require counseling? I mean, no. I mean, you're a fan of the team. We believe you should believe you can win every game, but Shep injuries does suck. Uh, I mean, we need him out there, especially with tape being gone, but uh, I can 100% see us winning the next three games. I mean, Buffalo barely skidded by the Jets. Who knows what Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay is doing down there. And who's the other team out of the Redskins? I just want to beat them. They're, they're out of anyone. I want to beat that team right there. I just want to shut Landon Collins up and Dwayne Haskins. I mean, even though Dwayne Haskins is a plan, I just don't want to shut uh, Dwayne Haskins up. And I just want to beat Eric Flowers because I hate Eric Flowers. And well, I mean, I, we'll, I like we'll beat Eric Flowers, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like Dominic Rogers cromartie I, I always love DRC. He's like the only player I still follow from uh, – they're like even though he's on the Redskins, I still love DRC. His Instagram is hilarious. I highly recommend it every once in a while. Yeah, and listen, we get called homers, and we do. I think. Let me put this. I don't want to come off as like cocky, but I feel like I do good work and I show my work. I don't just like I don't just put takes out like I don't like to just put takes out there. I like to like be like this is why I believe that. So I'm. I feel like I'm pretty even keeled with that. But where I will be a homer is next game we're going to win. 1-0 every week. That's just like the the mindset in me. Call me a homer. Like when people are like, how did you put the Giants in the playoffs? I was like, how do you not? I believe, baby. 1-0 every week. You got to believe. So, uh, like, that's the one part where I would be a homer is, like, picking the next game. If we play Dallas next week, I'm picking them to win. I, I am. Do I, would I believe it? Maybe not. But I'm picking them to win. Dang it. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% at home, obviously. Uh, final question comes from Isaac Moretta at Bruegel underscore Poppy20. He asks, if you guys were coaches Shermer and Betcher, what personnel moves would you make from within the organization to try and fix that disaster of defense from last week? I mean, we, we don't have the best guys in the room, so, I mean, maybe. I would sign Tuzar Skipper. Woo! <laughs> yeah, what, what a great move. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't ha- we don't have a great defense. That's that's well known. I mean, th- I know I'm looking ahead, but in tw- uh, this year's free agency, if we still have all that money, I want to chuck it at a defensive guy. I want to get a goon in here. We don't have a goon. I mean, yeah, we got guys that could be goons, but we don't have a guy that we can look at. But like, he's gonna be a goon. I don't feel like we have that yet. And so, I mean, these guys could develop into something. We I don't see anyone on our roster right now, like in the back half. Like on the pass rush side, nothing really that we could put in and make a difference. Linebackers, maybe Connolly and corners. I mean, Baker's the corners as a rookie are usually going to struggle. If not, they'll either have a good rookie year and then struggle the second year. So maybe right now we have to deal with struggling a rookie year and then coming out dominating the second year. But there's nothing really this team could do. They just got to rock with the guys they have and just get something going, get a pass rush going. Just don't just don't be stupid. Communicate well. Then if you communicate well and get a pass rush going, I'm making it sound much simpler than it is. But if you get that going, your defense is solid. You'll have a decent defense. Yeah, I believe DeAndre, DeAndre Baker will be a shutdown corner in this league eventually. I think Dexter, like, I love the Dexter Lawrence picks. We actually didn't talk about it a lot coming out of the draft because it is such, like, a boring position. But I love Dexter Lawrence. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, like, obviously, like, I'm the big, I'm probably the biggest Jones supporter. I believe in him. But Lawrence, like, I have, I have so much confidence that he's going to be good. Like, there's really not a doubt in my mind about Dexter Lawrence. Um, you could, like, DeAndre Baker, like, that game, like, puts a little doubt in your mind, but I, I still believe DeAndre Baker is going to be a shutdown corner in the NFL. And people are like, why don't we draft defense? Like we did. We just, we, I understand we took Saquon first last year. Um, and then Will Hernandez, but like, I'm completely for those picks. Like, you're not going to hear me disagree with those. And then Daniel Jones. But then after that, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker, O'Shane Zimenez, who I'm, I'm not, I, I think O'Shane has potential, but even coming out of the draft, Danny, we said like, we're not, we're not like, like, Oh, this guy's going to be our starting edge guy eventually. I mean, then Lorenzo Carter, we talked about it all offseason. I, I think he's a huge question mark. He didn't play good against Dallas. Uh, so I, I think he's a huge question mark. Um, I could see him definitely being someone who doesn't get a second contract with the Giants, but he could also become a playmaker too. So 
Um, at this point, there's not really much you can do, and I'm not looking in the free agency or the draft just quite yet. Yeah, I mean, obviously I looked ahead, but I, I, my point was we don't have that goon on defense yet, or at least none of them have showed me that yet. So that was my point in saying looking to free agency next year, and that is all the questions we have. All right, we went a little long, but I think it was good. We, ha- we had a lot of stuff to cover. Um, so now we're off to the, we're on to the Bills, Scumbag Mafia. So we'll be back Friday with a pregame show to that. As soon as I get off the mic, I'm going to start watching Bills, Bills film. Listen, guys, it's been a rough few days. We're going to get through this. We're going to beat the Bills. We're going to beat it. Speak it into existence, LeVar Ball style. All right. Until Friday, let's go big 